Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I am here in beautiful Studio B with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick. It is great to be here. It is an honor to be here and sharing this truth with all of you. That's right. That's right. And so if you're new to the channel, thanks for coming by. Um, We are Christians with Torah, and that is exactly what it sounds like. We're Christians, but we believe that the whole Bible, from Genesis to Maps, is relevant to believers today. And we are spirit-filled. That's right. And so, you know, the the lady with the cute voice that does the intro, she says that. I think she says, what, you may be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have Torah. And have Torah. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. what a time to be alive. I love it. What a time to be alive. So uh, this week's tour portion, we had Shemot last week, right? And then we're coming up on the second tour portion in Exodus now. I think it starts in uh, chapter 6 and verse 2. And so if you want that tour portion, you can go back. We've got four years of doing that tour portion. So three years worth of audio only, a whole year worth of uh, video and audio. And then also now we're in our fifth season. Tell your friends. Yeah, tell your friends. And so This is exciting. It is exciting. And so we're doing the, uh, the Gospel of Matthew. And so we're uh, in chapter 7. We're doing the second half today, verses 15 through 29. And we've got some heavy-hitting verses here. All right, let's do it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick this off by reading these, these verses. Uh, <coughs> Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through 20. False prophets. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. (laughs) Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. Yeah, some fire and brimstone preaching there. That's serious stuff going on yeah. there. We're going to keep some things in context here, but but uh, once again, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Yeah. So they're not they're not a sheep. They have uh, some bad intentions. So these are people. These are false prophets. So like leading you to a path of destruction, maybe. Yeah. Or oh, trouble. Oh, oh yeah. Well, it, well, okay. So there's a couple things here. Uh, the first being, what is a prophet? How do we define a prophet? A prophet is somebody that speaks the oracles of God, right? They hear from God prophecy, and they yeah. speak to the people. That's, That's true. prophecy, right? Some people have the gift of prophecy. Some people don't. Um, but when we're considering whether a prophet is real or not, how do we as believers, discern between the two. So sometimes it's God gives us the gift of discerning of spirits, and we could tell, there's, hey, there's another spirit that's, that's, true. that's speaking, right? Right. But that can be subjective, right? So we want to have right. like concrete ways. Like how do you tell it's a false prophet? What if they prophesy something and it doesn't come to pass? That is the test of a false prophet, oh, right? Okay, there you go. Yeah. There you go. That, and then there's one other test. And the other test, which we'll probably get to at some point, I believe we will, Deuteronomy 13 um, has a test as well, which is when anybody's doing signs and wonders or divination of some sort that attracts people because it's like, wow, how do they do these signs and wonders? But then what they're doing is then leading people astray to follow other gods. You can't deny the signs and wonders, though. But that's the point. That's what I'm saying. So though. that's another false prophet because they're the prophet of a different deity or a different uh spirit or something so there's something else is speaking to them not god because god will never have a prophet leading people away from god period end of story and that's that's a good point so so basically you shall you shall know them by their fruits do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles that's matthew 7 16 you shall know them by their fruits Mm -hmm. Uh, when people come into your life you should always show them kindness and hospitality yeah trust is something that is earned and not just given to anybody Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, you know, the government comes knocking on your door. Hi, we're the government. Yeah. We're here to help you. That's right. 
We might want to think about that. Really? You're here to help me? What's going on here? So uh, trust is something that is earned and not just given to anybody. People give themselves titles. I'm a bishop. You know, I'm an apostle. I'm this, I'm that. And they'll come to the church or whatever. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's interesting. But what we want to bring out here is this. False prophets can come with signs and wonders only to lead you away from the one true God. These false prophets were to be put to death. If Ryan could read Deuteronomy 13, verses 1 through 5. I absolutely These false prophets were to be put to death. They lead you away from the one true God. All right, so Deuteronomy 13, verses 1 through 5. If there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes to pass, of which he spoke to you, saying, Let us go after other gods, which you have not known, and let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. You shall serve him and hold fast to him. But that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has spoken in order to turn you away from the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of bondage to entice you from the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk. So you shall put the evil away from your midst. Self-explanatory, but let's continue on. I'm going to read this one. Okay, go ahead. So now that's very interesting because now they're going to go into the promised land and they're warned. right? Right. They're warned. Well, false prophets can speak out of their own hearts, follow their own spirit, and can be guilty of lying divination. Yeah. In Ezekiel 13, verses 1 through 9, I'm going to read this out of the King James Version. Ryan has New King James, which added a little twist to it, which is good. Takes out the these and thous. But check this out. So false prophets can speak out of their own hearts, follow their own spirit, and can be guilty of lying divination. Ezekiel was the correspondent or the prophet among those in captivity. Jeremiah was the correspondent or the prophet that was in Jerusalem. So once again, you have two different prophets, two different geographical locations. So check out what Ezekiel says in regards to false prophets. Now, now judgment's coming to the house of Israel here, to Judah, the southern kingdom. But look at what's happening here in Ezekiel 13.1. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel that prophesy and say thou unto them that, that, that prophesy out of their own hearts. Hear ye the word of the Lord. So once again, they prophesy out of their own hearts. It's like opinions. Thus saith the Lord God, woe unto the foolish prophets that follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. O Israel, thy prophets are like the foxes in the deserts. You have not gone up into the gaps, neither made up the heads for the house of Israel to stand in the battle in the day of the Lord. They have seen vanity and lying divination. Lying divination. Oh, another spirit's coming there. Saying, the Lord saith, and the Lord hath not sent them, and they have made others to hope that they would confirm the word. Have you not seen a vain vision, and have ye not spoken a lying divination? Whereas you say, the Lord saith it, albeit I have not spoken. Mm -hmm. Ooh. Therefore thus saith the Lord God, because you have spoken vanity and seen lies, therefore behold, I am against you, saith the Lord God. Verse 9 of Ezekiel 13, 1 through 9. And my hand shall be upon the prophets that see vanity, and that divine lies. They shall not be in the assembly of my people. Neither shall they be written in the writing of the house of Israel. Neither shall they enter into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord God. Yeah. So think about all these people that are saying, you guys can't go to Israel. I don't, you can't have reconciliation with Jews and Gentiles. Mm-hmm. That's those are lies. That is absolutely lies. And and people that would say that, uh, well, you can't have someone here that doesn't have Jesus in the, in the pulpit and speak to us. Mm. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. Why can't we? Yeah, I don't know. So so as we look at that, Ryan, um, you so know, I got a couple thoughts on lying. Yeah, go ahead because wow, that's a lot. Yeah, you're talking oh, about Deuteronomy. Yep. Before they go into the promised land, that's the foundation. Watch out for false prophets. Yep. So if we get torn our minds and hearts, Ryan, what do you think about? Th- there we could, there's going to be some false problems. Well, I think one of the big things is that this is nothing new, right? You know, Solomon says there's nothing new under the sun. False prophets have always been, and they always will be. There will always That's be true. people that are drawing people to themselves instead of pointing people to God. Period. End of story. just is what it is. It's been happening since Moses, what, 3,500, 4,000 years ago? And it's still happening even to this day. We have examples in the New Testament as well. But um, 
it says it says here talks about lying divination. We got into a conversation last night um, during our group study about divination, and divination is getting a word from a deity, right? To it's divine, hearing, right? To divine, divine. So uh, there's a divination that is used to get a word from the Lord, and that's like the Urim and the Thummim. Right in uh, in the temple where they would use that in order to do things. Right, they cast lots to pick Matthias in the New Testament yeah. when they were replacing Judas. Um, but then Gideon and his fleece. Right, he puts out the fleece and then he does the opposite and he gets the sign of confirmation. And Joseph, right? Joseph and his cup. cup. Yep. So there's all these examples that the Bible gives of people using some form of divination to communicate with Yahweh. Now, real quickly, I don't want to get into it, but yeah. this is one little point, yeah. just to bring out a point yeah. that we could build on this, because people are drawn to the supernatural. Absolutely. The paranormal. They're, they're drawn to these things. Yeah. I want to bring out that. I know that uh, I was reading somewhere in the Bible, I don't have the address, but uh, they use like animal parts to do divination. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The gizzards, like, the like heart, different things or whatever. Chicken bones. But anyway, hear me out on this, because I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure we can find it later, but uh in regards to God bringing judgment to Israel and Jerusalem, Nebuchadnezzar was using divination. Right. God used divination for him to choose Jerusalem over the other place. Mm. He steered him through that yeah. to do his will. So anyway, I'm not saying that God well, is in divination. Even but he Balaam, used it for his, for his purpose. Yeah. He used it. So, you know. Well, and even Balaam, who's clearly evil, and he was a prophet for prophet. He was a Gentile. But he was not a false prophet. He was a Gentile. And yeah. so, I, you know, him using, and he definitely practiced divination. And how do we know this? Because the people that came to him had the rewards of divination in their hands. They were coming to pay him for his divination services, right? But God does speak to him. And he speaks oracles of God and blesses Israel three times. And we know this to be, you know, documented fact from the Bible. So, you know, if you, if you get some half-truths, you know, sometimes you get drawn into stuff thinking, you know, they... They got some of that right. Like people are drawn to Nostradamus. Oh, right, right, right. There's a, there's a, there's a prophecy out right now. I think I saw it on Jerusalem Post in regards to Nostradamus, but I didn't click on it. Yeah. But that what Nostradamus predicted is coming to pass in Israel or something. Yeah. It was just, you know, one of the ones he got right. Well, but there's a lot that he did. It didn't depends right, on how you whatever, interpret how what you he interpret says, it, yeah. though. But it's interesting how you could be drawn into the into the divination. Well, and so this is specifically talking about in Ezekiel about lying divination, right? So one of the things that it's talking about as you're reading that in Ezekiel 13 is how people will say they've had a word from the Lord, but they don't. Yeah. Or they'll say they received a vision from the Lord, you but they didn't. Differentiate that. Say, I'm inspired to share. Right. Or you right, say, right. like, thus saith the Lord, or the Lord impressed this upon me. Right. Or you, you say, hey, I'm, I'm inspired to share. Yeah. Or I'm led to share, but not using the Lord's name. Yeah. But woe to those people that claim to have a word for people from the Lord, but don't. And that they're just drawing people to themselves. And yeah. Saying whatever. I, I tell you, you know, did we do all these things in your name? Well, we're going to get there. We're okay, yeah, we're not going to get into that, yeah. but they're false prophets. Absolutely. See, I never, I never connected those two, but we'll, we'll talk yeah, about it. Yeah, we'll get there. So, so what else do you have for me? Um, I think now we're on to false prophets love to lead people to themselves and not to the one true God. Okay, Isaiah 42, 8 says, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. Mm. Man, you never want to draw people to yourself. Right now, I'm guilty of drivenness and performance because that's just my fix. That's sure. who I am. But I don't want the glory. Yeah, you know, uh, I don't have to be. In it's the not pulpit. that you can't sure. have a glory. You just don't want God's glory coming to you. Yeah, you you don't want to take God's glory. No, you want to lead people to the Lord. Yeah, lead them to the truth. Because those of us that humble you know, ourselves, which I, sh you know, the people that humble themselves, um, God will exalt. You know, and I, give them glory. Listen, I, I I had a person years ago that that said that you know if you're not sharing i'm not coming to the service they didn't want to hear the guests but anyway i'm just saying that we got to be careful because it's a cult of personality yeah you know that you can develop that we have to be careful of you know uh let's check out this right here uh there are many false prophets in the world today deceiving others and yeshua warns us in his olivet discourse matthew 24 11 you got it i don't have matthew 24 11 but i will say that you don't want to be deceived and don't be deceived and don't be deceived and in case you didn't get the message from matthew 24 don't be deceived. Oh, the four times he mentions oh, that. Oh, man. Yeah. So Matthew 24, I'll, I'll grab it. I have... 2411. Yep. Mm. All right. It says, there are many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. 
Ooh. And read Matthew twenty four ten. It just builds Ooh. you up, don't you? Because oh, when you're offended, you listen to false prophets. That's well, right, right, right. Ooh. And then many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. And why? Because of persecution. So, so you know, anytime you see like people that are under pressure, they start to squabble amongst themselves. You know, what I mean, things start to go awry. You know, enemies you know? never stay together either. No, they don't. That's yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. You know, like when you see a little coup or something like. I've seen it happen in the church where people would leave. Oh, yeah. They never stay together. Oh, yeah. It's kind of like Balak and Balaam. Remember, they went their separate ways, it says? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They caused the damage and then they... Yeah, exactly. This is what I'm saying. Are we building up or tearing down? Right. So one of the things that I think we always have to remember when it comes to testing things um, is that we need to depend on God's word to test things. So whether it's a prophecy or a word of knowledge or whatever it is. And so um, one of the number one ways that people can discern fact from fiction is by studying the facts, right? So if you study the truth or the real deal, that's why they have uh, bank tellers and the FBI that are doing like uh, looking for counterfeit bills. They don't necessarily study the false ones, right? The, the fakes. That's true. They study the real deal. That's right. And all the points about the real deal so that when they find the fake one, they're like, well, it doesn't have this like the real one does, or it it's has a, this. It's, and it's amazing the extent that people would steal. It, it, oh my gosh. So I mean, it's stealing. Think about this now. So, Rob and theft. In Acts chapter 17, verses 10 and 11, um, Paul, uh, it's, ta- it's a story about Paul. It says, Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more fair minded, or other translations say more noble, than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness. And searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Where are you at? I'm in uh, Acts 17, verses 10 and 11. And so the Bereans were more noble than the rest, or than in those in Thessalonica. But why? Because they received the word from Paul with all readiness and tested it by the scriptures. And so when somebody gives us a word... We want to test it by the scriptures. We want to use this as the filter. You know what came to my mind? Because you just said that. What came to my mind was this. When people say the Torah has been done away with, what we do is we come along and we say, hey, Mm -hmm. we're going to show you how to apply this teachings and instructions to your life. We're going to show you how the the application is here Mm -hmm. and a principle. So would you agree with the principle on how to apply it? Yes, you would. Yeah. But yet we say it's been done away with. Yeah. You know. So anyway, that's just an immaturity. So you want to take it from here? Because I'll tell you, another way we can know the false prophets. <laughs> yeah. Let's so continue on. So what does a good tree bring forth and a corrupt tree bring forth? Well, the good tree bringeth forth good fruit. That's right. The corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. Evil. That's right. And then the very next verse, verse 18, says, A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. People are not going to forever be contrary to nature it just isn't what it and we didn't get into the fruit of the spirit but Ooh, yeah i mean when you look at the fruit of the spirit that's how we test fruit oh it's tough it's tough boy. love joy Those nine things love love joy, joy peace, peace patience wait love patience joy. long are, are suffering you can do king james kindness james? goodness king gentleness james? faithfulness and self-control nine nine fruits Whew. one one uh one fruit short of ten tribes yeah the gentleness kind of gets me. Yeah. Temperance. And they all get me. Gentleness and temperance. I can do better in every area. Temperance is self-control. Which is a little overwhelming when you think about it, you know. But I feel like I have the seed of God in me. Amen. And so we can when do I, it. I reproduce There's hope. fruit. You we know? can do it. Yeah. And the fruit's we getting better it, and better. We're like, well, I can do this. Yeah. yeah. The fruit's getting better and better. So what happens to every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit? It's hewn down and cast into the fire. That's right. So where else in the Bible, Pastor Nick, does Jesus talk about casting things into fire? Would it be in the Gospel of John? So there is an example. I don't have those references. In John 15, right? You where, want to share it? Where John, in John 15, Jesus is referring to, uh, you know, I am the vine, you are the branches, and apart from me, you can do nothing. That's John 15, 5. But he's giving that whole thing. But what happens to the branches that get cut off? They get thrown into a pile. And they get burned. Now, I have been a part of this. I have pruned vineyards. And guess what? You pile up the branches, and then what do they do with them? They burn them. Now, I wasn't there for the burning part. 
admittedly, because, you know, you pile them up and then they kind of sit there for a while and then they, they got to get rid of them, burn them or turn them into mulch, right? Chop up into little pieces or something. So, but the fact of the matter is that's what happens to the branches, right? They chop them off. They cast them in the fire. John 15. John 15. So um, where else does it talk about fire? It talks about um, things being cast into the lake of fire, right, in Revelation. Um, I think he talks about the wheat and the tares, right? Um, and he talks about the wheat and the chaff, right? The chaff gets cast into the fire. And so either we're doing the will of God and we're useful and we're bearing fruit, or <laughs> we're cast into the fire. And that's a little bit of a different message than... I you know, I, I know there's so much controversy, especially when we get into some other areas here. Um, it's very, very interesting, uh, to say the least, especially when it talks about weeping and gnashing of teeth, outer darkness. Oh, yeah. So we, when, they, when they say you're thrown into the fire, I mean, is that hell? Uh, I would think so. It's not good. Yeah, I mean, if that's that bad, that's sad. Yeah, that's not good. I mean, I don't want to assume anything, but but I'm just saying that that's uh, that's tough. Yeah. Uh, you know. Uh, so this finishes. Wait, up. wait. Go what, ahead. Ab- what about Matthew three twelve? Matthew three twelve. Whose fan is in his hand? Oh, right. John the Baptist, right, and right, he right. will thoroughly purge his floor, and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. That's right. The chaff. That's right. God's trying to cut away this stuff out of our hearts to circumcise our hearts. He's trying to burn up the chaff, get all this junk out of our life. If I could just get that out of my life. Yeah. If I could just be patient. Yeah. If you could have love, joy, peace, you patience, know, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. You know. You know. This, this no big co- deal. <laughs> you know, I try to drive as little as possible on the roads. Ooh, yeah. You have a business. but I do. It's, it's really getting ugly and bad out there. Oh, it's not good. I'll tell you what, we were driving the other night and the kids were making comments about just all the people that were like cutting us off. And like, I mean, you know, it's bad when the kids are making comments from the back. That's why we really, really need the Holy Spirit. We were like, man, people are nuts. <laughs> I was like, this is why when we drive or when we're t- thinking about you guys driving, we're terrified because it's not you that we're worried about. It's all these, you know, wackadoos out there driving. The wackadoos, you know, yeah. uh, man, the fire. Whew. All right. So number five. Go ahead. All right, so wherefore, by their fruits, ye shall know them. So the word fruits is the Greek word karpos, and it means fruit as plucked, literal, or figurative. So think about this, Ryan. Here's the cool thing that the Lord was showing me last night as I was sitting there, just wishing that I was a facilitator, mm-hmm. but I'm not. <laughs> I gave it up. It's like, can you come out of retirement? Yeah. Like Drew Brees. Yeah. We need a quarterback, yeah. Drew Brees. Uh, no. Yeah, supposedly he sent them a picture of him golfing or something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So, no, I'm not coming back. No. I'm Sorry, bad. guys. 20 years is enough. Yeah. yeah. You know, it takes me 30 minutes to get out of bed. I'm so sore. <laughs> no. I, I, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I, this is what was brought to my attention. God wants us to be mature and responsible. Yeah. So I, I have people tell me all the time, oh, I, you know, Nick, Nick, I remember you. You're just a jokester and just immature, just a little lad. Yeah. And now they're like, you know, you've, you've grown. I've seen where you've grown. Oh, that's nice. It's yeah. good testimony. That's, the last part's always good. Yeah. But I appreciate that because we should grow and mature. Amen. But anyway, here's the thing, though, Ryan. We're not going to just eat a green banana. We want that baby to ripen. Yeah. Give it some time. Yeah. You know, when it starts to have this spot, they say that's the, the healthiest the banana is. They right. talk about it. Right. When it's fully developed, you get mo- most nutritional Nutritious, value. Yeah. The, the, the spirit of potassium is upon you. <laughs> and I only say that because I was thinking to myself, you know, I'm 54 years old. Mm. I got to work on some things. But it says here that as a son or daughter of God, we are all fruit inspectors. That's right. So if that's the case, I, I had a quote that I came up with last night oh, uh, as I was in my own little group myself. <laughs> you There's and- three of us, me, myself, and I, uh, in the Godhead. I wrote this down as a quote. I thought this was very interesting and made me really meditate and ponder on it. As fruit ripens in time so it can be eaten, we mature in time to further the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. So in order to see the restoration we gather in the whole house of Israel, to be able to have a Beitele Israel, we all have to grow up and be mature. Right. You know, and take a humanities class. Right. Because you're going to a whole other culture, a whole other world. You can't take your Western mindset to the Western wall. No. So as fruit ripens in time, so it can be eaten, 
we mature in time to further the kingdom of God. Praise I God. I like that. Yep. You know, what does it say? Something about love before its time in Ecclesiastes. It's in Song of Songs. This is it three times. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so everything's in time. Yeah. You know, the, uh, I guess it was, uh, was it Simeon and Anna that were waiting for the Messiah? That's right. And they saw him. They did. You know, so here we are talking about this restoration and regathering, and we're on the verge yeah. of a major, major family reunion. Right? Oh, man, it's going to be awesome. It is. I mean, there's no denying it. Yep. And thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for that download. It reminds me when Joseph revealed himself to his brothers, had everybody leave the room, because this won't be for everybody. Right. It won't be. It's a God thing. Yeah. It's internal. It's nothing you can sell or fake or try to get by on. Right. So, uh so that's uh, that's where we're at on that. So we, we got to produce fruit, you know. And I was just thinking, you know, if you really want to have good fruit, just pretend like somebody's following you around with a camera. Ooh. I mean, somebody literally is. I had a baby. I had my little Hava, just her and I. And, you know, she can test your patience. Yeah. <laughs> and I was, I was asking myself, how am I going to handle this? Yeah. Because I had a little situation where... I was giving her chicken noodle soup, and she was screaming that she wanted it. Mm. She saw it. Yeah. She saw the noodles, the little O's, the little nuggets, the little yeah. carrots, everything. And so I, I was cooling it down like this. Yeah. So I figured it would be cool enough, and so I I took a little spoon. I gave it to her, and it was, it was still kind of warm to her. She made a funny face. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But she ate it. Okay. And then she kept screaming. I'm like, no, this is too hot. Yeah. Because she just gave me that reaction. Uh-huh. So it's like a maturity. Yeah, right. She don't know any better. No. She's like, feed me. I'm starving, man. That's how she talks. Yeah. See, people don't understand babies scream because they can't talk. Yep. That's how they get attention. Right. And uh, we do that as adults, too. We yes. scream and yell, rant yeah. and rave yep. through temper tantrums. Express So ourselves. I only brought that out because I love this part of it that it's, it's, it's never too late to mature and to ripen, not exchange evil for evil as maturity. If I had to describe the Christian walk, right? So you believe on Jesus and then you're... You, you become justified, and then the process of sanctification is is taking the scale from one to ten on each of the fruit of the spirit and trying to push it as close to ten as you can get it. And that's just that's Christianity no, one hundred and one. How about this one? I want to be Christ-like. That's what I mean. So so yeah, you, what you're saying, gosh, that's a cliche. Because it's the fruit of the spirit, and Christian means a little Christ, the spirit of God. You know, that's why, like, when we're out there and people see us. And we act like idiots oh, yeah. and jerks and yeah. we're mean. Mean to the, the lady go, at the cash register. Yeah, oh, yeah. He didn't even tip me. Yep. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> or he ran through the door and wouldn't even hold it for me. Yeah. I, remember, I remember that face. I've known some, some ministry folks in the past that I was embarrassed to be around in public. Yeah. But anyway, like I said, you know, we have a good reputation. Yeah. You're supposed to have a good reputation out there. That's a true elder. Oh, yeah. In Timothy. So do you want to, uh, do you want to take us into the... Uh, I never knew you. Oh, okay. So, I mean, the last few verses that, right? were pretty famous verses, but these ones take it to the next level on, on infamousness, right? Everybody knows these. So, ready? We're going to read uh, chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. It says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. Have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Other versions say workers of iniquity. Um, and that, ver- that word there is anomia, which is... So we can do a lot of things in Jesus' law. name, can't we? Well, and, and, and I want, the first thing I want to say is context is key. I want to give everybody, you know, I I think everybody needs to work out their salvation with fear and trembling, but it's important to note that the context here is false prophets, right? So we're talking about beware of false prophets. That's a point that I didn't catch till this year. Really? I never caught it till till this time. Yeah, in in context, we're talking about false prophets in 15 through 20. So they're not really of God in that degree. But what is it that they say to him? The first thing they say is, have we not prophesied in your name, right? So they're, they're false prophets and they're... Casting out demons in your name. So they're able to do signs and wonders, but they're leading people to themselves or whatever. And so here's the scariest part. The scariest part. And this is where I think every minister 
of the gospel needs to heed the warning that you can't take people somewhere you haven't been, right? So if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, right. then don't lead other people because here's what happens. God might have mercy for people right. that are just, you know, on the, the lower. It's l- the cult of personality. Right, right? But there will, be, there will be, and there have been people that have led thousands of people to the Lord and not made it in themselves. And we're not going to mention their names. I don't, I wouldn't I would not even presume to to say a name. You know what I'm saying? Like I wouldn't I think, even I presume think, to I think know. When it comes to ministers and ministries, there can be disappointment, but we probably shouldn't judge. Well, that, that's but it's just sad that that if it's true. Hey, we just got through. The, I don't know if it was last week or the week before. Judge not, lest ye be judged. Right? With the measure with which you judge, it will be measured back on. You know? You. Does I mean, the Bible say we're supposed to go after people? I no, that's absolutely where I, not. That's where I have a problem. No, no, no. You know. Well, w- w- what's the point? So I understand. You could guide people or direct people, like you know. But see, I go back to principles. I I have no issue if somebody wants to say this practice within ministry is a bad practice. Okay. Yeah. But then saying this person's a false this, this right. person's a that. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're not in agreement with the ideology. Right. right. So we want to focus on the, the the actions or the message because when we attack the messengers, we're not really doing any good because all we do is alienate the people that follow that person. That's all we're doing because there's going to be a certain group of people that will defend that person because they may have ministered to them in some way, shape, or form in a positive way because every person is more complicated than just black and white. Oh, they're this or they're that. You know, Oh, they're all good or they're all bad. I mean, if people knew me personally, they'd probably have mixed emotions about me. You know, <laughs> They don't know you. Right. Get it? They don't know you. Oh, yeah. So, so what do you have here? So, so basically not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. So, like, we believe that it's God's will to have reconciliation between Jews and Gentiles. But see, this is the key word. Doeth. Context. Oh, doeth. Doeth. Doeth the will. He that doeth the will of my Father. So, so many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils. And in thy name done many wonderful works. Now, you know, the, the word prophesied is the Greek word propheteo. And it means to foretell events, divine, speak under inspiration, exercise the prophetic office. So it all sounds good. It looks good, but it's not good. You know, it's kind of interesting, Ryan. I want to bring this up because in Matthew 7, 23, he concludes with, and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. The word new is the Greek word genosko, and it means to become known to know and can be a Jewish idiom for close intimacy between a man and a woman. A perfect example of that is that the Greek word from the Septuagint there is in Genesis 4.1, where Adam knew Eve and she bore Cain. That's good. That if we keep the subject matter of the false prophets in context, we will discover that they can also prophesy, cast out devils, and do many wonderful works. Now, here's the thing, right? And I'm not trying to be mean or cruel or being judgmental, but let's say that this person is doing signs and wonders and miracles, and they're really happening in a crusade or an event, mm-hmm. a church service or whatever. And he says, the law's been done away with. You no longer have to you know, keep the dietary laws or the feast days. It's kind of false teaching, isn't it? Oh, it's ab- that's absolutely false I'm teaching. I'm just saying that, wow, that, can be, that could happen. Like, like, you know, well, well, but he did all these things. Yeah. That just goes to show you that, think about it. Yeah. And that can be done in ignorance, too. But to your point, right, the very verse you just read, it ends with ye that work iniquity. This word iniquity in the Greek is the word anomia. So the word for law in Greek is nomos. See, that's a good word to bring out. I didn't think about that. Right. Anomia. Right. So it's anomia. And what's interesting about this word anomia is it just means without law. So it's, it's lawlessness. And if you really put it in context, I think a lot of people in the Hebrew roots would be pointing to this and be like, wait a second. So Lord, Lord, we did all these things, but depart from me. I never knew you, you who are without the law. So I'm like, well, look, I'm not going to, I'm not a Greek scholar and I'm not a, a language scholar by any stretch of the imagination. But I feel like Jesus is making a point here that to be a false prophet is equal to lawlessness. Yeah, it says right here, violation of law. Hmm. <laughs> you know, that now I understand why everybody can just get everything screwed up yeah. where, and twisted. 
and just throw you into a stereotype or just throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. But if we look at the Torah like teachings and instructions, a lifestyle, how is it applicable? What's the what's the you know purpose? What's the principle? Like you said, that's a maturity, I think. Right. Because because you, you got to really be thinking about how how is this applicable? There's a lot of commandments that wouldn't be applicable to us today that we would not even understand or get fully. Yeah. We could try to accomplish or do, but we don't have the understanding. Right. You know, like don't mix clothing, but we do. Yeah. You know, and they've proven that because your body can't breathe. I think I'm wearing. Cotton allows you I to think breathe. I'm wearing 100 percent cotton on every garment right now. I'm not trying to brag, but sure. Uh, <laughs> but it's just know. by chance because yeah. I didn't check the tags. I'm just pretty sure my undershirts are all cotton. I'm pretty sure this T-shirt's 100 percent cotton. Yeah, it came out of a labor camp in Cambodia. Oh, whatever. Just kidding. See, it's always something. There's always, <laughs> there's always something. That's proof that you, we could always get you, you know? Oh, I know. It's too easy. <laughs> oh, you break one commandment, you break them all. Isn't you that mean, the best one? Are you sure it's oh, cotton? Did you pick you, the cotton? Yeah. And then oh, yeah. You break <laughs> spindle the law. You break them all. <laughs> How are you going to do that? You keep all of them? <laughs> Being smarty pants. Lord help us. <laughs> Lord. Hmm. So anyway. So wait, so then wait. So so to that same logic. See, I like to take logic to like the, the end result. So then by that logic, then by keeping the law, we're actually doing a disservice to the Lord. So we should do no good, right? We should never make restitution. We should murder. We should steal. We should covet because we want to be under grace. Take people's stuff. Wait, doesn't Paul address That's that? That's only if you're a socialist. He says, wait, then do we go on sinning? We don't have property. God forbid. He says, God forbid. I know. We got to grow up. <sighs> so discuss how many evil things have been done in the name of Jesus and by those who profess to call themselves Christians. You know, I just got a couple. I'd rather not. I'd say uh, <laughs> we have, of course, the Crusaders. Yeah, yeah. You know. There's um, those guys. In the name of Jesus. You yeah. know, they killed the Jews and the Muslims yeah. and... In the name of Jesus, you know, the Lord wills. That's a that's an interesting movie, The Kingdom of Heaven uh, with Orlando Bloom. Uh, Martin Luther is a good example of someone who gave us justification. You know, he, he, he was the first Protestant, I guess you would say. And he challenged the, uh, the, you know, the organization of Catholicism or whatever. And he he said, we're justified by faith. It's not by works. And so uh, Martin Luther, you know, uh, years ago had a lot of good stuff. And then, of course, what happened is when the Jews wouldn't convert, he turned into an anti-Semite. Yeah. And it was tough, you know. And you can quote him, and it's not good. Because, you know, God blinded the Jewish people. But the thing is, you could be really good and then end up bad. You know, it's funny that you say that because we really got to watch what we say, especially today more than ever. I mean, I imagine, you know, um, they say, uh, what do they say? Say it. What does they say? Wait. Say it. Read it, write it, regret it. Say it, forget it. Say it, forget it. Write it, regret it. Right? <laughs> I don't know. I've never heard that. It's so, very interesting. But even today, I mean, like, we've got microphones right now recording what we're we saying. Have, we have to live by what we've said and then clarify. But you ourselves. think of people, like, in history that are famous that have great quotes. Martin Luther King Jr., right? I mean, there's people back there that when you go and then, it's speaking of which, Martin Luther, Martin Luther. Oh, that's kind of funny. Uh, and Martin Luther himself, right? Yeah. Um, you have these people from his, history that have these great quotes that people use, and they had did great work. But then you go and you grab other quotes from them, and you're like, wait a second. Was he drunk when he said that? You well, know what I like mean? Bishop Tutu just passed away from, from Africa. Right, right, right. He, uh, he was accusing Israel of apartheid. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. That's some pretty stiff words. But he know. also did a lot of great things. He did, but I'm saying that you know, you know, his whole thing was about of apartheid. I mean, what was interesting about him is his his whole big ministry was about what he, what did he say? He he has a quote about restorative justice versus uh, what is it? Not revengeful or or yeah. You know, I'm sure there's there's a lot more to the story. Yeah. I mean. Well, that's my point. What I made earlier yeah. about about ministers and ministries about criticizing them is that every person has good and bad. Right. right. There's not, not, no person is perfect. Jesus is the only perfect human, and that's a reality of life. And we always want to point fingers at people's negative things. But you know what? When you're going after people, somebody's coming after you. I've heard that somewhere. Yeah, and you know, there's always somebody better than you that's going so, to come along, you know. So we wanted to talk about, you know, discuss things that people did in the name of Jesus. And so I always come back Those were my examples. to Constantine, right? So Constantine has a vision. He's a Roman emperor that he's going to conquer the known world. And there's no documentation of him actually being a Christian or a believer. 
Right. Well, but he has a vision, and his yeah. vision, as professed by him, is that he's going to conquer the known world under this symbol, and the symbol is the symbol of the cross. Right. And so they did the first go with the one world religion. And so from that, we get anti-Semitism in the church, because they said, well, we're not going to do things the Jewish way. We're going to do things the pagan way. Yeah. And so then you get rid of all the feast days. You get rid of the Sabbath. They decided to take the Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday. Right. This is all things within the church. You can find that in the Catholicism doctrine. Right. They say do away with the the you know the Torah from a, a law perspective. Then they do even weirder things. Like you have all these gods, and so now what we're going to do is we're going to create saints, and we're going to practice necromancy, and we're going to pray to these dead people, and and then guess what? They get prayers answered by these dead people somehow, and now they're like revering or re, you know renovating or not renovating. I don't know, whatever that word is for being reverent of these, you know, dead people, which they might have been great people. They might have been very saintly. They might deserve some sort of honor, you know what I mean? And so this is all mother. done in the name of Jesus. All done in the in name Christianity. of Jesus. Right. Stereotype Christianity. All done. And yeah. this, if this, this to me is the worst of the worst because all of the other things that are done throughout history against Jewish people, against all these other groups, is based on the doctrines that were built at that time. And the way the church took a left turn in the wrong direction and said, hey, we're not going to be Jewish. We're going to leave our Jewishness. And you know, I guess this was documented. A lot of the Germans were, you know, supposedly Christians. And they yeah. had belt buckles with crosses on them. That was yeah. the last thing. The, the German Jew, cross, right? The that Jew one, would yeah. see before going to the gas chamber. Well, and that same symbol, so that German cross where it's like equal on but all sides. But the cross is a real symbol. Well, what I mean, though, is now it's used in a bad way. That, but that German cross, it's like equal on all sides. I think that's the symbol of the Roman Empire after Constantine. So they That's didn't have like a cross. Yeah, I'm they not real big on one symbols being all bad. I mean, I think, I, think oh, yeah. been, I think some of them have been hijacked, but we got to be careful with that. Because, you know, the, 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 if you look at the uh, tabernacle furniture, yeah. it's shaped like a cross from, yeah. from the sky. I mean, I wasn't necessarily talking about the symbol being negative we or positive. We want to get the symbols, but the But name, they had it on their belt buckle. The name. And so when you're putting, was done in the name? putting Jews in the gas chamber with a belt buckle with a cross yeah, what on What was done in the name? Not good. In not the name. Right. Exactly right. So um, let's move on here. Uh, let's look at uh, Matthew chapter 24 verses, well, no, Matthew chapter 7 verses 24 through 27. Mm -hmm. Where if we were in Matthew 24, we'd be here a long time, but they all have a discourse. Yeah. Oh, man. That's going to be some chunks. Let's see. Uh, so Matthew chapter 7 verses 24 through 27, <gasps> build your house on the rock. Yeah. See, then you won't be a false prophet. Then you won't have to depart from him because you'll know him. That's right. So go ahead and read those chapters. Those verses. All right, so we're going to read uh, 24 through 27. It says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Man. You know, I believe that, that Jesus interprets the Torah. I agree with that. You know, here's another thing how we d misrepresent Jesus. We can't, we can't represent a Greek Jesus mm, right. to Jewish people. Right. Like now, it goes over yeah. great in the West. It sure the does. Malibu-looking yeah. Jesus, Greek-looking Jesus, <laughs> Fabio, beautiful. Yeah. Something to look at. Yeah. And then uh and then of course you know there's but but Jesus is Jewish. We have to present him as a Jewish Jesus. Well, he was zealous for the land, for the temple, for for the law. I right. mean, he, he was zealous for these things. So, what will Yeshua liken a person to who hears his words and does them? So the person who does Jesus words will be likened to a man who is wise and built his house on the rock. Wow. You know, I've had uh, Jewish guests come and share that, you know, in this movement, the Hebrews of the Christian faith movement, um, there's not a lot of love between the Hebrew roots people. And he's wondering, like, yeah, I mean, I've had a couple of them say it to me. Yeah. Where is the love that Jesus spoke of in the gospel between yeah. all of you? Because I don't see it. Well, I know it's like that's I mean, you just tell him, look, I mean, you guys got squabbles even knows that. between the that. two tribes that you got. We got 10 tribes. To deal with. <laughs> but it goes on to say, and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not for it was founded upon a rock, right? Yeshua is likened to a rock. Yeah. Matthew sixteen eighteen. if you want to read that. 
Uh, yeah, absolutely. Continuing on. Matthew 16. But we're getting into a, the, the foolish man who built his house upon the sand, but we're still on the rock. So it says, And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. He's pointing to himself. And the gates of Hades right? shall not prevail against it. Well, He's, that's he, also possibly the place that they were at, where they were at... Um, Tell Dan or... No, wasn't it the place with the thing in the rock? Pan. God pan or something. Yeah, I forget what it is. people in the fire and all that. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So, but they're standing on it and they're saying the gates of hell shall not prevail. And I think the place that they were at was like the gates of hell or something like that or the gates of Hades. But he's the cornerstone. He's the chief rock. Yeah. What about 1 Corinthians 10.4 as Yeshua is likened to a rock? Ooh. 1 Corinthians 10.4. Uh, uh, that's in the New Testament, right? 1 Corinthians 10.4. Roger Doki, 10.4 Smokey. Uh, it says, and, and all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drink of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Yeshua is the original rolling stone, <laughs> not Mick Jagger. <laughs> he is the rolling stone. He yeah. is the stone that followed them in the wilderness. You know, so that's amazing. So what will Yeshua liken a person to who hears his words but does not do them? Ooh, these people are the foolish ones who built their house on the sand. And what does it say? It says, And the rain ahead, descended, yeah. and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Now, could that be a circumstance, or could that be just the end of your life? So you didn't build your house. You didn't build your life on Jesus' words. I believe, so it ends up in utter destruction. I believe in God's grace and mercy that he... Can, this can be definitely used. Circumstances? If, if somebody were to build their whole life on the sand, sure. I think circumstances can happen. You can blow the house down, but then you can go rebuild it on the rock. right? I think God gives That's grace and mercy point, to allow it. He's talking about, you know, it rains on the just and the unjust. Amen. The storms of life. Right. Like we could say, hey, you know what? I didn't really follow God in this decision. Yeah. And I, it left me to ruin. Yeah. Or I had trouble. Yeah. Or there was a tragedy. That's right. And the Lord warned me or the Lord told me. Boy, I tell you, we need that right now, Ryan. We need the Lord to direct everything we do. Yeah. Oh, man. More than ever. So, anyway. So, the adjectives wise and foolish describes a person's, or describe a person's spiritual and moral state, not his intellect. It is determined by his response to Yeshua's teaching. So, how do you know if somebody's wise or foolish? Do They're they, doing the words of Yeshua. The ones that follow Jesus. Are doing it. In action. Action. Are wise. That's the good. ones that don't follow Jesus are foolish. Yeah. Boy, I tell you, this, this, this Hebrew Roots movement needs the gospel. Well, it's Jesus. interesting the lines that Jesus draws. The words They're in maybe red. different than what other people might draw. The right? words in red. And so the parable brings the Sermon on the Mount, which starts in Matthew 5.1 and ends in 7.29, to a close as Yeshua calls for his audience to decide between himself and the religious establishment. He was, he was differentiating. Right. Well, there's the status quo. And then there's Jesus trying to bring light. He said our righteousness has to exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees. <laughs> so what is the righteousness but your actions? Right, of course. In his name. Yeah, and Because Abraham believed God. It was counted to him for righteousness. Right. So if God is saying there's going to be reconciliation with Jews and Gentiles, there's a form of righteousness there from God that he wants us to walk in. Mm-hmm. That form of righteousness. Right. Well, yeah. the righteous person has that one character trait. The saved individual has chesed, right? Believing loyalty, loving kindness. That's right. That's why with Abraham, Abraham, they say that his faith was imputed to him as righteousness. But God knew he was faithful, so there was no question of whether or not he was going to do the things that God said, right? So right here, the evidence of whether one is truly a believer is in whether one does the words of Jesus. So can Jesus count on us to be faithful followers? That's If we are a faithful follower, then we will do the things that Jesus says. We'll do the right thing. Period. We'll say the right thing. So it's not the works that save us. And this is the point that Paul makes when everybody's trying to say that Paul's saying the law is done away with. The point Paul's making is that the person who has the faith and believes in Jesus, right? It is the faith that saves them, not the works. But the works are there. Why? Because they're faithful. <laughs> they don't, you can't separate the two. That's why James says, oh, you show me your favor. I'll show you my faith, faith by my works. works. Is dead. Because faith without works is dead. Exactly right. You have to apply something to 
the principle. Precisely. That's what's deep. Right. Well, and that's and the principle doesn't really exist if there's no action. This is it's, it gets back to scruples too, though, but morals and values. Yeah, it, it gets back to that 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 what is the right thing to do. Right. And then if we can plan it out and think about it beforehand, it's a lot easier than to say, you know, I really didn't, uh, I didn't turn the other cheek on that one. You know, I think Elvis said it best. He said really? a little less conversation, a little more action. Oh, I didn't know that. That's, yeah. Is that a song? I mean, that's the only part of that song I know. I have to look into that. Yeah, now that I think about it, it's probably like a wretched song or something. So what else do you got in here? All right, so uh, verses 28 and 29, I want to read them to you real quick. Wait, what about the evidence of whether one is truly a believer? I already said that. Say it again. Okay. It was really good. The evidence of whether one is truly a believer is in whether one does the words of Jesus. Does <sighs> being the key word there. Does. More time in the gospel. Yeah. Well, listen, the, I got to say, the Sermon on the Mount has wrecked me this year because I'm just like... <laughs> all the Beatitudes? All of it. Oh, just don't get out of all that. All of it. When you get to the second half of, of chapter five, once he starts like up in the, the, the things and then you go, go the second mile, love your enemies. And then in the beginning of chapter six, um, I'm like, why? I mean, can we just cut this out maybe? You know, because the standard for us as believers is so high. People talk about the Torah, like the Torah is hard. Restitution plus, you know, 20%, not hard. That's right. Right? This is difficult. Love your enemies, right? Bless those that, that hate you, that persecute you. That's, that's difficult. And, and anybody, oh, I could do that. Yeah. We all want to like, no, no, no. Show me when somebody's ripping your beard out, spitting on you, putting a crown of thorns on you. Show yeah. me then. That's true. That you're praying for he them. Is the ultimate example. And for their salvation, that you care more ultimate for them example. than they care about you. This is, this is hard stuff. And that's why. It is hard. At the end, you know, you get to where Jesus says certain things, and then, like, the room kind of clears out. There's not as many people left, you know? Yeah. Because it's, it's not, this is not an easy walk. Sorry, where am I now? I'm on number 13. Here. Yes. All right, so I want to read the last two verses of the chapter here. Uh, it says here in verse 28 and 29, And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. And so the word doctrine here is the Greek word <coughs> didache, didache um, and it means instruction, the act or the matter. Wow. And so this is... Um, so it's what you're doing. Right. Right. So he's giving instructions. It's, it's exactly right. And so then the I word... I would just say this real quick here. Uh, some people would disagree, but I, I liken doctrine to what you're doing and theology to what you're thinking. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I, I like, I like Some good. Some people don't like that, but I mean, it does. No, but of, it's like the grace and mercy helps, differentiation. Helps, it, you're not wishy-washy. Yeah, but it, it, this is what you believe. Making a good distinction like that, like maybe it doesn't work in one case, but all the rest it works. Yeah. Same thing with like grace and mercy. Right. right? Grace is getting what you don't deserve, right? The right. great favor you don't deserve. Mercy is not grace receiving. grace empowers you not to sin too. Yeah. Mercy yeah. is not receiving the punishment you do That's deserve. That's right. So, um, all right. So the next word we want to talk about is authority which is the Greek uh, 1849, and it's the word exousia. Exousia. Which we, we know this word we from. We love the Greek words. They're so powerful. And so this one means privilege, i.e. Uh, force, capacity, competency, freedom, uh, or mastery. And then it could be concrete magistrate, superhuman, potentate, token of control, delegated influence, jurisdiction, liberty, power, strength. You know, it's interesting. My position at Beit Tehillah as the set man of the house you know, there there are people that, that respect my authority mm-hmm. and they mimic me or they'll say things, yep. you know, and they'll they'll stand up for, for what I stand up for. Sure. And they'll be in agreement yep. and recognize my authority. Yep. And then there'll be those that won't recognize it, want to go their own way. Yeah. And we'll see what happens. Yeah. You, you do those? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Turn the other cheek. Bring down the Hebrew Hamah. Turn the other cheek. So he had doctrine and authority. Yeah. See what I mean? I'm already off the boat. See, like I'm just talking about how Jesus says, but, love your enemies, and I'm already though. ready to drop the Hebrew hammer yeah, you on are. But think about this, though, <laughs> in closing as we look at these two things. But I was just saying that, you know, really, at the end of the day, are we doing it God's way? Because mm. we can all get a revelation and go off the deep end. Mm-hmm. And then what do you have? Right. You've ostracized yourself, alienated yourself. Yeah. You've not really qualified yourself. And then you wonder why you're miserable. Things aren't going your way. Yeah. Things aren't clicking, you know. And you don't have that divine assurance of good to epigelia, which is the promises of God. Yeah, I love epigelia. You know, I like to be able to say at the end of the day, man, this was a God thing, and I'm glad I followed it his way. Yeah. 
because it worked out really good. And then you can see the fruit, the connections. Mm-hmm. That's what I love. So, so what two points can be learned from Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through 20? So Nine. my first one is verbs matter. <laughs> Do the will of God, right? Um, you know, that's why when you read the Torah and he says, keep my commandments and do them, you know, uh, God knows that we as humans, as, as, you know, temporary fleshly beings here on earth have a tendency to, uh, to like over academic academiaize, right? Uh, things and to over spiritualize things and not do them. And that's why he says, keep them and do them. And then my second one is, um, the, the fundamental thought of building your house on the rock. And uh, I have a song I'd like to sing. I don't know if you're ready for my song or if you want to do your points first. Let's close it out with your song. Okay, we'll close it out with my song. Um, I, I can only think of really two things that, that can tie in. I, I say avoid false prophets and live a life of fruit, mm. you know, fruitfulness. Uh, I like that. Which is so important because our opinions can be like a false prophet. Yeah, you know hey, you say. know what I think? Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's scary. You know what they say about opinions. Yeah. <laughs> They're like armpits. Yeah. They stink. Yeah. And you have at least two of at them. At least two of them. That, that's good. Avoid false prophets and live a life <coughs> of fruitfulness. Uh, number two, I would say basically um, build your life on the words of Yeshua. That ties mm-hmm. in with all this other stuff. Yeah. So build your life on the words of Yeshua. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you better know him, right? Um, get to know Jesus because they said, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all this in your name? And didn't we do that in your name? And he's like, depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. So we got to know Jesus. So we won't exchange evil for evil. Right. We'll turn the other cheek. We can endure the hardships. We can pray for our enemies. All these cool things, you yeah. know. We can have a, a good life. Yeah. So when I was like six or eight years old, my parents and my family, my brother and I, went to a small church in Monticello, Florida. Um, Is it Monticello? It, it, it's called it's called Monticello in Florida because we're in the south. There's like a Monticello up in Monticello Washington, where Jefferson is Jefferson's estate. estate. Correct. Interesting. Um, is it French? I have no idea. Yeah. It just threw me off. That's okay. Yeah, but it is. They do call it Monticello in in, in up by Tallahassee, Florida. It's it's near in that area and that was first united methodist church of monticello and it was built in like the 1800s and i think the lady that taught the children's choir uh miss finlayson uh, she might as well have been there since the church started in the 1800s because i didn't know how old she was but you know she was an older lady and when you're six you know everyone might as well be 150 so a great lady awesome woman of god taught the children's choir um talk about somebody that has like rewards in heaven right and so she taught us a song that we sang in the church uh, for like a little children's day, you know, and they come up and they bring you up and they make you stand and the kids have to sing. But I remember the song to this day. Isn't that funny? And it goes like this. It says, don't build your house on the sandy land. Don't build it too near the shore. While it might be kind of nice, you'll have to build it twice. you have to build your house once more. You got to build your house on the rock. With a good foundation and a solid spot, and then the storms may come and go, the Lord you will know. And then it goes on, kind of repeats itself. But That's awesome. Oh, man, it was such an awesome that song. That could be a hit today. I remember that song to this day. And I mean, I don't remember much about being six. And what's the title of it? Uh, build Your House? Uh, build Your House. Don't, I don't know. I don't know. Build Your House in the Rock. I'm going to be looking that up. You know, so uh, I, uh, Connie and Tammy were telling me last night that that's uh, from Donut Man and something, the singing song book or something like that. But um, I'm going to look it up because I've never heard that song anywhere else. And when I sang it here last night, it's the first time anybody else has ever been like, oh, I've heard that song. Everyone else is like, oh, cool. But apparently that's like a thing. Uh, I've never heard it. Yeah, I've never heard it either. But now I have. Now I've now found it. So I'm going to look it up on YouTube and maybe see if I can find it. All right. Well, let's close this out in prayer, Mr. Yeah, Ryan. Go, go ahead. You pray. I'm, I'll I'm, pray. I just sing. Father, we just thank you that... Uh, we want to build our house upon the rock, get a piece of the rock, Father, Yeah. And uh, which is Yeshua, the chief cornerstone. And we are lively stones being built upon that chief cornerstone. So, Father, we just pray that we would be Christ-like, that you would forgive us of our sins, cleanse us of all iniquity, because Yeshua is our propitiation. He is our Redeemer. Matter of fact, uh, the word Redeemer is the word uh, Gaal, which means Avenger. And uh, they talk about superheroes and Marvel comics and the Avengers, but he's the original Avenger.
And so, Father, we just pray that you would allow us to be Christ-like and to display the fruit of the Spirit and to be calm and mature and responsible. And we just uh, thank you for those that are that are watching and listening, and we just encourage them that uh, the Messiah is coming, Mashiach is coming, and we need to be a light. And it says in Daniel 12, 3, Lord, that we'll lead many to righteousness. And we ask this in the name of Yeshua of Nazareth, our soon-coming King. Amen. Amen. Wow, praise God. You know, what an awesome portion of Scripture to go through. Definitely some heavy-hitting verses. I encourage everybody to get in there and read it for yourselves. You know, study this. Let uh, let yourself get into the Word and let the Word get into you. Get off of Facebook. Get your face into the book. Amen. I like that. Amen. Even though I'm going to post this on Facebook later today. That's good. (laughs) So, all right. Bless you guys. Have a great week.